This week on Not Sam Wrestling, fresh off a return to Raw and a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble, MVP is on the show. We'll get into the Brock Lesnar debate and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, hey, happy Monday. Let's start the week, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. On that road to WrestleMania, the sweetest time on earth to be a wrestling podcaster, a wrestling analyzer, providing analysis from yours truly, the last professional broadcaster. To be not quite a journalist, but a monger of scoops, as only I can be. Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster. Sam Roberts here with you, not Sam Wrestling. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to MVP on the podcast today. It was a, a joy to see him in the Royal Rumble uh, just last weekend, just about a week ago. It was all good just a week ago. Uh, and we got a lot more to talk about. I was, uh, I, uh, I guess uh, John Cena was talking to Sports Illustrated this week about Brock Lesnar and how good Brock Lesnar is. And uh, it, uh, it it had a lot of feedback on it. I tweeted about it. That tweet had a ton of feedback on it. So we'll get into all that and more this week on Not Sam Wrestling. And I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of John Cena, I really think, and this is not me, you know, being silly. I think that F9, Fast 9, F9, the Fast and the Furious series or whatever it's called, is going to put John Cena on another level in Hollywood. I can't believe the feedback that that trailer got. I can't believe how excited I was when I saw that trailer. And it wasn't just because of John Cena. Look, I talked about it on my YouTube show, youtube.com slash not Sam for that. The show is called Sam Roberts Now. We did a whole uh, uh, breakdown of the entire Fast and the Furious franchise. And the fact is, I thought The Rock was going to steal Vin Diesel's franchise away from him. But I'll tell you right now, it wasn't a failure by any stretch. It was a huge success. However, I didn't end up seeing Hobbs and Shaw. And I know a lot of people that didn't end up seeing Hobbs and Shaw. They wanted to. It looked cool. But there was just something about it. It didn't feel like it had the immediacy that some of these uh, uh, films feel like they have. And I certainly thought that, well, if you're not going to have Jason Statham or The Rock in the next Fast and the Furious movie, obviously you're going to have Vin Diesel in the original crew, minus Paul Walker, God rest his soul. But if you're not going to have Jason Statham in The Rock, what is Fast and the Furious going to have? And then I watched this trailer for the ninth Fast and the Furious movie, and I lose my mind. I can't wait. First of all, Han is alive. And second of all, John Cena was Vin Diesel's brother the entire time. I've been watching these movies for 19 years. I had no idea Vin Diesel even had a brother, let alone that it was John Cena. He was like the prototype. Like uh, Tokyo Drift or (laughs) whenever he was the prototype. Um, But I can't wait for this thing. And I think it's going to be very, very good for John Cena. John Cena's about to be a movie star, kids. I can feel it. I can sense it. I know it. So this week on the podcast, by the way, speaking of the podcast, 
I announced uh, on the Thursday show, if you guys have been enjoying and listening to Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, at the end of the last show, uh, I said Thursday, Not Sam Thursday is going to start becoming a Patreon-exclusive podcast, and I'm standing by it. Every now and then, I might release one publicly if something uh, earth-shattering happens or if it's just something that every subscriber needs to be able to have access to it. Then every now and then, you might get one. But for that'll be rare. For the most part, for all intents and purposes, our second weekly show, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, which is a topical, primarily solo show, is going to be exclusive to the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Now, you don't have to tear up for it. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to tear up for it when you sign up, and you don't have to tear up about it when you realize that you might not have access to it because every... Not Sam Schill will have access to Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, every Thursday, the audio version anyway. If you go to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, you can become a money mark for less than a dollar a week. And for that, you will get Thursday, Not Sam Thursday every week. If you start to uh, move up in the tiers, you'll get live video, you'll get video on demand, uh, you'll get uh, merchandise. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Check out the tiers, whatever you're interested in. Sign up for it now at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. I also will still be posting videos uh, of little snippets of that show. Never the whole show, but uh, little hot take videos, whether it's uh, my rant about Edge and Randy Orton ending up on the YouTube channel or whatever it is. I will still have highlights from Thursday Not Sam Thursday in video form on our new channel, YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Also, where you can find videos of all the interviews that we do here on NotSamWrestling. YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Now, my guest this week is none other than MVP. I've known MVP a long time. Uh, He's been on my show on Sirius. He's been on this podcast before. I saw MVP in Houston. Um right before in catering at the rumble and I didn't know why he was there you know I didn't ask him I assumed I look there was a good chance I know that MVP lives in Houston so I didn't know if he was going to be a surprise entrant or if he was just there to see some friends I didn't ask him caught up with him a little bit moved along so I could get the surprise when I heard, one, two, you better stop. And I realized MVP is coming out to Minute Maid Park to a pretty good ovation at the Royal Rumble. And then to see him on Raw the next night get a, a match with Rey Mysterio, he's announced on his Instagram account that that will be his last WWE match as he inches closer to retirement. But I said, if anybody can reflect on the Royal Rumble weekend and everything that was, it's got to be... MVP. I wanted to hear the story of of why he was in the Rumble, how it ended up happening, the whole thing. So I reached out to him, and he's here. From me to you, consider it a gift. My guest on Not Sam Wrestling, none other than MVP. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Well, it's for the first time in a long time, but uh, I feel like now is as fitting a time as there ever has been. Welcome back to Not Sam Wrestling, MVP Montel Vontavious Porter, who I feel like has probably had 
one of the best weeks of any of us. MVP, what's the haps, man? Dude, uh, what is that? What was that show? Best week ever, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, man. Definitely. I was I was very excited in Houston. I was there to do the kickoff show, and I walk into catering, and I see that familiar face of yours. And I didn't, I didn't ask why you were there. I didn't want any spoilers. I didn't know if you were there just, you know, to kind of support some old friends. I didn't know if you were there for a surprise appearance. I did not know. I hoped, but I did not know until that music started playing like everybody else in the stadium that you were coming out as Killmonger himself. Uh, how? I'm glad you got that right. The number of people that said, oh, MVP with the Black Panther gear. No, it's Killmonger. I had the Killmonger gear on. I got I can't remember who it was. Somebody in the locker room, though, the first person said, oh, is that, that gear looks like Black Panther. And then somebody else went, no, that's Killmonger, and it's even cooler. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah. how did you find out? Like, first of all, like, what, what was that process? Like, when and how did you find out that the WWE was interested in having you participate in the 2020 Royal Rumble? Um, well, in the past, they had reached out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just was, that's not what my mindset was at the time. Um, but this time I reached out because hmm. it was interesting. And my son is five now and he's a massive wrestling fan. Like just over the last year, he's become this huge wrestling fan. And, you know, now he knows the names and Ray Mysterio is one of his favorites. His mom <laughs> sent me a video of him turning the, uh, clothes basket upside down and uh-huh. jumping on it onto a pillow doing the West Coast pop. And <laughs> he goes, what are you doing, Camden? And he turns around and he goes, I'm Ray Stereo. It's <laughs> adorable. You should know, you know. So uh, I thought about it and, and, and I reached out to uh, one of my friends that's uh, a little higher up and expressed my interest and they got back to me promptly and said, uh, yeah, let's do it if you'd like to. And we'll make sure that we get you know, tickets, get some good seats for your son. And, you know, it was, they, I got to say, man, they were so incredibly accommodating. It was awesome. And then, you know, Paul Heyman, who's in charge of Raw, you know, I had a chance to talk to him. And uh, he and I have maintained a friendship from my days in developmental. Whether, no matter where we worked, we've always stayed in touch and talked and, and kept, uh, kept abreast of, you know, what one another was doing. And, you know, he's in charge of Raw. And when he, you know, understood, you know, my my son loving Rey Mysterio, he was kind enough to go ahead and, and give me a two-segment match with Ray on Raw. And that means more to me than I can ever express because, yeah, I had an awesome week, but it was primarily because my son got to go to the Rumble, see all the stars. He got to go in the back after and meet Ray. Ray brought him a mask. You know, it was just overwhelming for him and then the next night he got to watch me on monday night raw wrestle Rey mysterio and his mom recorded that dude just to be there to, to see him imitating my entire entrance in front of the tv that's <laughs> doing it you know that's the kind of shit the father's dream of yeah and I, you know i've given him a memory that will outlast me because i remember my mother taking me to the miami beach convention center when i was in first grade um you know kindergarten about the age my son is now give it to me and just being blown away by, by that spectacle and experience of these behemoths. And that wasn't even, you know, the Miami Beach Convention Center, Florida Championship Wrestling. That wasn't, you know, the 
the amazing light show that WWE is. You know, it's you know the, the sights, the sound. You know, when you're five years old, it, it, it's it's an experience that changes your life. So I am so thrilled that I was able to give that to my little boy, and that's what this whole what that whole weekend was about for me, giving my son a chance to see me in the WWE and to you know close out that chapter. So when did you have that conversation with Paul Heyman about doing the match with Rey Mysterio? Was that something that he came to you on Sunday and said, hey, man, while you're here, why don't you head on down to San Antonio with us and and, and do the match? Or was that something that was well in advance talked about? Uh, no, the uh, I was asked to come to San Antonio as well. Gotcha. Uh, but what I was going to do, I had no idea. Was, yeah, sure. All right. You know, I, you know, right down the street from me. No big deal. I could do that. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the, Heyman came to me with that on Monday. So That's amazing. Uh, and it's also got to be nice for you, too, that not only do you get that two-segment match with Rey Mysterio, but they air an entire video package before you come out as to who MVP is, educating anybody from this generation that doesn't remember your run. Because, you know, it's been, you forget, I somebody like me forgets that it's been nine years. A yeah, a yeah. decade, which is, I mean, it's crazy to me. But they air that whole package. They they talk about who you are on commentary and everything. And I feel like you coming back to have that just one more match. And you said on your Instagram that was your last WWE match. What it really did was it put a bow on the career and cemented the legacy of who you were in WWE. I agree. You know, it. it you know, and there were people. There were saying things like, you know, oh man, you know, is, is, is that how you're going to go out? Was that it? You know, is that, you know, why didn't you do this? Or how come you didn't do that? And I'm like, yo, yo, I'm thrilled. Yeah. They didn't have to do anything for me. And like I said, this wasn't for me. This was for my little boy. So the fact that they were willing to be so accommodating and allowing me to do something so incredibly special for my son. Yeah. You know, that means more to me than, than anything. <clears throat> and that's all it was about for me. That's it. And like you said, you know, I had a great time at WWE, man. I, I literally <laughs> got to travel the world. Um, I became an international wrestling superstar. And, you know, when society wouldn't give me a chance to earn minimum wage, the WWE Vince McMahon specifically said, yeah, we're going to give you a chance to, uh, to become a star and, and to make money and to change your life. And in so doing gave me the ability to change other people's lives. So, um, for the WWE to come back and when I wanted to leave to go to Japan, mm -hmm. you know, give me a hard, I had, I had, I had over a year left on my contract. They didn't have to let me go, but you know, Vince was, gracious enough to say, okay, come back when you're ready. And, and I didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> and 10 years later you call and you go, all right, guys, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Can I come back now? Yeah. And, like, you, dude, like, what, what, what? No, but they didn't. Yeah. So I, I just appreciate that they were nice enough to, to grant that to me. And then, you know, to top it off, um, there's a, there's a possibility that I could be joining them behind the scenes. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I'm, I'm at a great point, man. I'm, I'm ready to retire. 
I'm ready to end it. I'm ready to call it a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been saying for some time, you know, everybody that knows me for the last year, I've been saying I've got maybe two years left. Huh. I've always, I want to walk away. I don't want to limp away. Right. Uh, and I'm starting to limp. So <laughs> uh, I've been fortunate because of my WWE career. Uh, you know, that allowed me to go to New Japan before it was cool, before all the other kids were doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was one of the first ones to say, hey, look, there's the most amazing wrestling you'll see is going on in Japan. You guys come check this out. Man, I remember um, seeing, speaking of New Japan, I remember seeing you and Finn Balor, Prince Devitt at the time, in Rawway, New Jersey at the rec center when Jersey All-Pro b- brought New Japan over, before New Japan was the phenomenon that it is now, seeing you guys in Rahway, New Jersey, representing New Japan. You know, that was probably, what, 2012, 2013, a couple years after you were removed from WWE? 2012, because I yeah. asked for my release in December 2010, and uh, I remember I got the call, like, the week before Christmas where they granted my release. And 2010, so it was February 2011 that I debuted for New Japan at Sendai. So, so that was in 2011, the New Japan invasion where they, they did the Northeast Loop. Yeah. So, really, yeah. So, I, and I will say this, you know, going back to the 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 Raw and the Royal Rumble matches, I was very happy the Raw match happened because, and I'll tell you, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I wasn't the only one who was disappointed that when you came out and Brock Lesnar was in the ring, we were like, oh, all we want to do is see him balling. Like, all we want to do is in 2020, look at him do the balling thing. And just, you know, just to live that nostalgia. And then when you came out on Raw for a match, I was like, yes, yes, we're going to get to see it. And when we saw it and, like, the crowd was with you on it, I was so happy for me, for you, and now for your son that we got to see that in 2020. So do you, you, you come back, right? And this is the, is this, you were back for the 25th anniversary of Raw for that little, you know, segment, but obviously you haven't really been around watching how matches are now put together and, and getting a feel for the environment backstage now in WWE. Is it very different than it was in 2010? Uh, on the independent scene, Mm-hmm. You know, the way guys are approaching pro wrestling now is very different. Um, WWE, you know, the, their product, you know, it's it's like Coke or Pepsi or, or you know, you, you know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, they, they have a brand established, so you know what that product is. Um, but overall, I've noticed in pro wrestling, there's been, you know, the, the, the evolution of, of the business. And... You know, I've, I've got this this whole cannabis-induced uh, theory. <laughs> so so here's my take on this. Right? Yes. When I came in to pro wrestling, when I started, ECW was all the rage, hardcore. Right. Uh, and, um, and then you had the guys who preceded that generation talking about how this new, the attitude error, this hardcore, this ECW, you guys are killing the business. You guys are doing these flips and dives and crashing through tables. You guys are killing the business. And it, it changed and it became this boom in the wrestling industry. 
So now here we are again. There's there's a new evolution taking place. And the guys from my generation and before are saying, oh, these guys are killing the business. <laughs> and my take has been like, look, man, me and Booker T used to argue about the Young Bucks all the time. Mm-hmm. I've personally, I've said privately and publicly, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks style of wrestling, but I'm a fan of the Young Bucks. I'm a fan of anybody that can find their groove, find a niche and make money. How can you say that they're doing it wrong if people are buying tickets to see it? That's the name of the game. The whole idea is to put asses in seats. Right. So if people are buying tickets to see the Young Bucks do what they do, then maybe you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And the way pro wrestling is consumed is changing. You know, you got all kinds of apps. You can watch it on your phone. There's, you know, there's, you know, YouTube, Hulu, Fight app. There's all this, all these different ways to consume it. And the wrestling consumer is changing. Hey, guys, I want to take a pause from the action to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this episode of Not Sam Wrestling. And what a time for Blue Chew to be here. Look, it's WrestleMania season. That means every minute of wrestling must be consumed because there is story packed into every episode. I mean, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all the other wrestling that exists, you've got to watch it all as if you were Alex in a clockwork orange with your eyelids pinned open. Do you understand how difficult it is going to be for you to satisfy your partner when you're exhausted from watching wrestling? It can't happen. You can't be that person. Because you know what will happen? They'll say, you can't watch wrestling at the expense of my physical needs. Well, guys, guess what? You can now satisfy your partner's physical needs and watch wrestling. I know what you're saying. But Sam, I'm going to be too tired. But Sam, I don't know when my partner is going to need me. I could just rise to, what am I, a teenager? You think I could just rise to the occasion, become fully erect whenever requested? My answer to you is yes. I absolutely think you can can become fully erect whenever requested. I might be fully erect right now. You don't know, but I'll tell you how you can be with Blue Chew. Yes, Blue Chew makes it all possible again. You're going to feel like a million bucks. Your confidence is going to go through the roof because you are going to know that you can satisfy every whim of your partner's physical desires. Thanks to Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. They're chewable, so they work faster than a pill. You can take them anytime. You can take them any place. You can have a full stomach, an empty stomach. It doesn't matter. Blue Chew makes it possible for you to get it up and then get it on. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, which means you don't have to go to the doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. Your own mailman isn't going to know what you got. There's no weirdness. There's no awkwardness. There's just sexual satisfaction by both you and your partner. It's incredible. And I'm giving it to you for free. That's right, for free, because you listen to Not Sam Wrestling, all you have to do is go to bluechew.com and use promo code Roberts. You go to bluechew.com, you use promo code Roberts, and your first shipment of Blue Chew is free. Why not try it out? Why not reach your 
physical maximum. You can do it with Blue Chew. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, promo code Roberts to try it for free. Blue Chew, it's better, it's cheaper, it's faster. So I see now that, you know, the, the, the evolution of professional wrestling has come on to where the, the comic book, video game, cosplay fandom has merged with pro wrestling fandom. And we have a generation now where they didn't grow up on pro wrestling when pro wrestling was real. They've never known pro wrestling oh. to be real. MMA was, pro wrestling was MMA before there was MMA. So now you've got all of these youngsters, this next generation who they grew up on the matrix, like fight choreography to them from the matrix that changed everything. Prior to that, it was, you know, block, punch, kick. And you had martial arts movies, but martial arts weren't in the mainstream of fight choreography. Now if you watch, you know, the Fast and the Furious, if you watch uh, the Transporter, uh, John Wick, Jason Bourne, Captain America, everybody fights with this Wing Chun, you know, this hybrid file style of fighting. And I think that what we have now is a direct correlation to that, you know, uh, the intergender wrestling. Well, if you played Mortal Kombat or uh, Street Fighter, you know, man, you could Chun-Li whoops ass, you know, Chun-Li's a badass character, you know. Um, so there's, I think this, the consumer is different because the consumer grew up watching things that were different, understanding things different to this generation. Pro wrestling has always been scripted entertainment. It's characters, you know, playing roles, being superheroes. So I think that's where the evolution is, where you're having, um, a completely different style and mentality towards what pro wrestling is. And if the consumers are buying that, then you can't be an old timer, be a dinosaur and say, oh, you're killing the business. No, you don't understand what these consumers want. There's a reason that these people are, you know, booked every weekend and that, you know, the, the young bucks have the longest merch line. There's a reason that people are paying $30 to take a picture holding Joey Ryan's dick. You know, <laughs> I love Joey Ryan. I'm a fan of Joey Ryan. He found his groove. I would never do that with him. <laughs> but, right. But, you know, it, you know, like I had an incident with a promoter who told me, hey, I, I can get Joey Ryan on the show. Mm -hmm. I said, great. I want to book you to work him. I said, no, that's 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 a contrast in styles. You know, it's all about matchups. That's not going to work. He goes, oh, well, then you know, I'm not going to book Joey Ryan. No, don't put that on me. Right. You know, you got so many other guys on the card that he'll have a great match with. The fans will love it. He's an addition to your card. That's, you know, there's, you, you got a buffet, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Joey Ryan brings something very unique. And the promoter said, yeah, you know what? You're right. He put him with somebody else. They had a great entertaining match. The crowd loved it. And it was awesome. If people are going to pay to see that, then how are you going to say Joey Ryan's doing it wrong? He's killing the business. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, and there is this ability that fans have to, watch something, be equally entertained. You can be at a show and see something like a Joey Ryan penis spot and love it and be like, this is why I love wrestling. And then watch an MVP match where you take things much more, I don't want to say seriously as if Joey Ryan doesn't take his stuff seriously, but present it in a way that's a little bit less fantasy-based, we'll say. And they can, st they can still be into that, 
just as much. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And you know, and like I said, I'm not a fan of that, but I recognize it for what it is. And you know, I, I just I argue with the old school guys and say, no, man, he's killing the business. That you can't do that. Yeah, well, they said, you know, the same thing about an Irish whip once upon a time. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love that theory because you do. I mean, you go to see John Wick and like if you leave the theater after seeing a John Wick movie and somebody's going like, you know, that fight would never happen that way in real life. You're like, I don't want to hang out with that guy anymore. That movie was awesome. I just had a blast. I don't care if that's the way that fight would go down or not in real life. I was entertained by it. I'm going to go see the next John Wick movie. There you go. It's as simple as that. And, yeah. you know, I don't get in. I just don't understand, you know, in, in the fandom, you know, where, where the fans are split between this brand and that brand. It's wrestling. Watch it. <laughs> you know, you, you, okay, you like Burger King, you like McDonald's. Do you wish that Burger King goes out of business? I never understood that. I don't like orange soda. I don't wish for Sunkissed or Crush to go out of business. I just don't drink orange soda. It's real simple. You right. Know? You don't, I, you I don't, don't get upset I, when other people do. You just don't. Oh, my God. You like Sunkissed? Oh, that's the worst soda in the world. I get it. <laughs> I get it. You divert your energy elsewhere. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's 100% true. I mean, look at the, let's talk about the Marvel movies. You know, you come out as Killmonger and, you know, a movie like Black Panther, nothing in that movie is based on anything that could ever happen in reality. It is ridiculous. However, it's nominated for an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like, the, like the, there is room for these other forms of entertainment. And I love the way you put it. I never thought about that because I thought of, I, I have thought about the last generation. I think that, the biggest divide in the last generation that came in is, you know, the the guys that are like uh, late 30s getting into 40s now. When they came in, they were the first generation that came in growing up as wrestling fans. So it was the first time that you had a locker room with people in it that grew up buying wrestling toys and going to see Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. And there was that sort of shift and change where we can acknowledge that we grew up as quote unquote marks and now we're wrestlers. We're going a step forward. We've now got another generation that you're right. Nobody in the last 20 years or more has sat there and gone, this is this professional wrestling is as it uh, is, as it seems. Everything is legitimate here. Everybody knows that it's a form of entertainment and this generation grew up on fighting looking a certain way, but then entertainment-based fighting looking a different way, and one doesn't take away from the other, does it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just comes down to preference. Like, you know, uh, to me, in, in the world of professional wrestling, there's room for everything. There's room for AEW. There's room for WWE. There's room for NWA power. Everybody offers you a slightly different uh, variation of the same thing. Mm -hmm. You got Burger King. You got McDonald's. You got Whataburger. You got In-N-Out. You got five guys. They're all burgers. Right. They're just presenting them to you a different way. And you know what? They're all pretty good burgers. So why not, you know, if you like burgers, 
take a stop over here and have some of this. Do you like burgers or do you like McDonald's? What do you like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Um, When your kid, you said your kid had uh, had just started getting into wrestling. Was he, was he watching your stuff? Was he aware of your stuff or did he just kind of naturally stumble upon wrestling? And then you said, Hey, wait a minute. Why don't you take a look at some of these matches? I suspect his uncle's, probably had a little something to do with <laughs> and some of daddy's stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because he would walk in my closet sometimes and he'd see like, I remember specifically the uh, ring coat that I wore in New Japan mm-hmm. and he would point to it and go, oh, that's daddy fight. So, <laughs> you know, he understood, you know, pro wrestling, he would grab my boots and he'd put them on and go, oh, this is daddy fight. This is daddy fight. So he kind of understood that daddy did something that was kind of like fighting. So the first time he saw me wrestle was uh, I, I did something for Booker T mm-hmm. in Texas for his promotion, Reality of Wrestling. And that was the first time that he actually saw daddy fight. Right. And the story attached to that is he was, man, uh, maybe about three-ish. Mm-hmm. And he had all the Marvel, all the Avengers. And he also had daddy and daddy was the ultimate jobber. Like, <laughs> but after he saw daddy fight, all of a sudden, man, daddy was beating or Iron Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. Like daddy started going, moving his way up the car. And I couldn't, the one person I couldn't beat was the Hulk. Couldn't go over on the Hulk. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the, he, the size he, differential. Yeah. The Hulk, Hulk, you know, Hulk is strongest there is. Yeah. But uh, after that, I think, you know, he, I had a better understanding of what daddy did. And then um, it was it was cool when Ring of Honor came mm-hmm. and I was King's surprise mystery tag team partner. Um, I made arrangements for his uncle to bring him with his, his two cousins. They, they're virtually brothers. Um, so he got to be there for that. And man, the ovation that the, the Ring of Honor crowd in Houston gave me with you know with the MVP chant, it was humbling, absolutely humbling. And that my son was there for that. And he had a great time and he got to come in the back and he got to beat everybody. And he, he told Coke told me that Coke Cabana was better than me, even though we beat <laughs> Coke Cabana that night. Like, hey man, how does that work? Like, we won, but how's Coke more over with my son than me? Um, so you know that was cool, but it was off of that that I thought, man. You know, for him to have that experience at that Ring of Honor show, I would love to let him experience, you know, daddy on a WWE show. And fortunately, it all came together for the Royal Rumble and for him to be there to to have that. So, you know, you talk about all the different varieties of wrestling that are available for fans now. What time besides right now could you ever I mean, would you ever imagine that in I mean, you know, technically the Royal Rumble was 2020, but in that same sort of 365-day period, you wrestled in Impact, Ring of Honor, and WWE. That's amazing. You know, I hadn't even considered that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dude, I hadn't even considered that. That's actually pretty loud. You're on the money there. I hadn't even thought of that. That's, uh, That's pretty crazy. Ah, well, I guess that's what it comes down to me being the Ronin of pro wrestling, right? 
That's I it. serve no master. I just wander the wasteland looking for battle. <laughs> hey, do you have Thank any you. do you have any idea where the inflatable MVP entrance is? I was re I I'm gonna tell you, I was kinda hoping that for the raw match they would break out the inflatable MVP entrance and you could come in like you were, you know, coming out of the football field. That would have been pretty cool, but uh, they didn't. Uh, and I have no idea where it is, man. I'm sure it's in a warehouse in, in Connecticut somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's probably in. That's probably deflated in a crate somewhere. And at some point, maybe, maybe yeah. when MVP finally goes into the WWE Hall of Fame, which I feel like because of what we saw at the Royal Rumble, seems like it's more and more likely than it ever has been before. Maybe that's when we break out the inflatable entrance one more time. Well, I was going to say this. Shout out to the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, who uh, when I was being groomed for my debut on SmackDown, Dream would come down to Deep South and he would come and work with me privately. Just, you know, we, After the school was closed, we'd come in and we'd work together. And one afternoon, I was actually working out with Benoit and Dream and we were talking about the Miami Hurricanes and how I'm a big Hurricanes fan and how the Hurricanes would come out of the tunnel with the smoke. And I told him, man, that would be cool for MVP to do that. And Dream goes, yeah, you know what? That really would. That'd be, that'd be something pretty damn cool. You know, he said, you know what? Let me, let, me, let me get to work on that. So the inflatable tunnel is because of a conversation I had with Dusty Rhodes, and he was the one that, that made that happen. I was so, just, I'm so glad you brought up Dusty, and I'm so glad that that's a story because I was just this week kind of mind blown thinking about the impact that that man continues to have on the world of wrestling. When I'm sitting there going at the same time, you've got an NWA pay-per-view called hard times. And we all know why that pay-per-view is called hard times. You've got Cody and, and Dustin, you know, living the legacy of their father in AEW and, and that being referenced all the time. And then on NXT, you've got the Dusty Tag Team Classic happening. All simultaneously, the one link that brings these three theoretically competing promotions together is that they are all heavily influenced by that man, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, his impact on the business in general will reverberate for generations to come. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I it, mean, talk them into the building. That's, you know, that's he, who did it better than he did. And that's still what we do today. Right. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a chance at all uh, to talk to Matt Hardy while you were there at the, at the Royal Rumble or at raw? I just, the only reason I bring it up is because I was thinking about your career and I would say that your, your uh, program I guess is the word with Matt Hardy, of course, like the, the saga of you guys trying to one up each other at every conceivable event was one of the most memorable uh, MVP storylines. And I find it pretty ironic that in 2020, you could have conceivably shared a locker room again. Uh, I think almost inarguably that it's the most memorable run especially during that time on smackdown smackdown was was depleted with uh, so many major injuries mm -hmm. uh, and it was cool as hell that vince you know had an open door policy and told me and matt hey you guys got ideas bring them in here so a lot of the stuff that we did was i mean that whole angle was our idea actually to be fair uh matt and kennedy had talked about doing something similar it was an idea that they had 
Ken was out hurt. Matt asked me what I thought about it. I thought it was it was great. He asked Ken if he would be cool to pitch it for us. Of course, Ken was cool with it. And we brought it to Vince. Vince loved it. And voila, history was made. So to answer your question, I did not get a chance to speak with Matt. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. It all comes together now, right? Because yeah. you asked me, you mentioned the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it's weird that I'm at that point in my career where I know it's, it's coming to an end very soon. And now people are talking about the Hall of Fame. And, you know, it's like, what constitutes a Hall of Fame career? You know, what are, what are, what are, what are the stats? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always said, man, my picture's on the wall in Rivera Steakhouse. I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say that you going in is a, a question of when not if I don't, I don't, I don't think you could argue that you would be going into the hall of fame. I think, you know, MVP at the end of the day, it's the pro wrestling, the WWE hall of fame is a hall of fame for pro wrestling. And in pro wrestling, I don't think statistics matter. I think memories matter. And if no, people remember you enough that after over nine years, after 10 years, the WWE wanted to bring you back for two nights to kind of celebrate that. So clearly, if there's that level of memory for what you did in WWE, I would say you're a shoe in for Hall of Fame. Do you have any thoughts on who you'd want to put you in? Uh, you know, it's, that's why I was saying how funny it is. Like, you know, there are so many people that touched my career and who had an uh, effect on me. I've never thought about my hall of fame induction because it was something that I was like, hall of fame. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> I don't know about hall of fame, but, um, you know, if, if it is something that happens, you know, of course I'd be honored and it would, it would thrill me to be able to bring my son on stage to accept with me and for him to, to be a part of that whole experience. Um, maybe it's a bit premature to have this conversation, but, uh, I'm pretty sure Matt Hardy would definitely be one of the first people I would, probably turn to for for my induction because as you said it was probably my most memorable uh feud yeah for, for we um i was so fortunate to have you know had my first angle with kane and then the inferno match and and that led to me having countless matches with the brothers of destruction me and kennedy facing them main eventing all, all over the world on SmackDown. It's, you know, an unbelievable journey. Um, dude, there's been so many people along the way that have, have left the thumbprint. I, I had the pleasure of talking to Norman Smiley. Mm -hmm. and uh, You know, a lot of people think Norman Smiley trained me. He didn't train me. He polished me. By the time he started coming around and working with me, I had my ABCs and one, two, threes, but, you know, I was telling Norman... He was the one that introduced me to Japanese wrestling. Hmm. He, he was the one that, that, that lit that, that fire. Uh, when I went to Benoit and asked him, you know, for some advice, you know, it was Norman that said, yeah, feel free to go ahead and drop my name to Benoit. And, you know, Benoit ended up becoming friends and he became a mentor and, you know, a, a huge impact on my success was due to the mentoring that Chris Benoit gave me. But that door was opened up because of the respect that Benoit had for Norman Smiley. Hmm. Um, his fingerprints are all over my career in so many different ways. We were laughing about it. Um, 
So it, it's 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 really cool, you know, just thinking about that. You know, he's somebody that most people don't realize, but he had a huge impact on my career. There are just so many different people. But I guess, um, yeah, Matt Hardy would definitely be probably one of the top candidates for that. You uh, you said that you you can tell your career is winding down, and we were talking a little bit about you and uh, that that who knows maybe in the future a backstage role at WWE. Is there anything specific that's left in your career that you want to do? You've said that was your last WWE match, so you know as much as you've done, it seems like everything, every goal that you've had, at least that I know of, that you've had in wrestling, it seems like you've been able to accomplish. Uh, what do you want to do in the ring before you officially, officially, overall say, that's it, you know, the boots are hung up? Dude, I can tell you with a level of, of pride and and contentedness that I've done virtually everything I wanted to do. Um, yeah. You know, WWE was a goal. New Japan was a dream. I've wrestled in WrestleManias, plural. I've wrestled in Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, I've wrestled for just about all of the big companies that exist. Um, I've, I've wrestled with and against most of my heroes. I've won prestigious titles. I'm in the history books, you know, just being the first ever IWGP Intercontinental Champion. That's one of my proudest accomplishments in pro wrestling. Um, you know, knowing that I held the title that Nikita Koloff and Magnum TA feuded over. Mm-hmm. That that United States championship, yeah, I held that twice. Um, man, I'm very proud to say I've done just about everything. So I can't think of anything left. You know, Korokin Hall, Ryogoku, Tokyo Dome. Madison Square Garden with Ric Flair. Um, man, I, there's really not much left to do. And that's why at this stage of my career, I am so comfortable with, with letting it go. Like this was my last WWE match. And, you know, I've got a bunch of bookings already on the calendar for 2020. But, uh, you know, this could be my last year, man. Right. <laughs> this, this could be it. Right. Um. The cool thing is I'm okay with it. You yeah. Know, like, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, some guys just, you know, I, I can understand what it would be like. It would be like, you know, breaking up with, with, you know, a love affair that you've had for you know a couple of decades, but I'm okay. I realize like it's time. This is that point where, you know, you have to, to start creating distance, you know, pro wrestling is a young man's game. And there are those phenoms that have, you know, <laughs> you know, look at Jericho, you know, he's still putting on amazing fucking matches and you know he's he's geriatric, so. <laughs> so you know there are ex- exceptions to the rule. But you know Clint Eastwood famously said, "A man's got to know his limitations." <laughs> and you know I, I I want everybody to remember me as still being pretty good. You know I want when I when I walk away and I hang the boots up, I want people to go, "Yeah, but MVP, you could still go." Exactly. That's right. why I leave. Right. <laughs> You know, guys, we talked to MVP about coming across like you're a big deal, but sometimes that's difficult. I'll tell you why it's difficult, because when you are simply not in that world, it's tough to just dive in head first. Who knows where to even begin? 
with some of this stuff. Uh, getting into colognes and lotions and all this stuff. Who knows what to buy? Who knows what's going to smell good on you? Just because it smells good on him doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You don't even want to begin to start. You don't want to go to the department store. You've got all kinds of people trying to spray all kinds of things on you. Look, what if I told you there was an easy way that you could get cologne that smells good on you? It's true. It's from Hawthorne. All you have to do is visit Hawthorne's website, take a quick quiz, and Hawthorne is going to let you know the two colognes that are best suited for you. One is for work. One is for play. One's a little more formal. One, casual. You spritz it on on a Sunday morning. You're going to smell your best. Cologne that's perfectly and uniquely matched to your lifestyle. It's really that easy. Personalized cologne in two minutes. Plus, Hawthorne offers additional personalized products. They offer deodorant, shampoo, body wash. It's totally risk-free. Offering both free shipping and free returns. Look, I didn't know what to do. I'm not a guy. I don't wear, I never wore cologne. I went in and I said, you still got cool water? They said the stuff that was popular when you were in high school? It was 20 years ago, you big idiot. I said, I don't know what to buy. Never mind, I'm leaving. And they chased me away. You know how I ended up smelling good? Hawthorne. I just took a little two-minute quiz. I told them how I live my life. And they told me, spray this on because this is how you're going to live your life and actually smell good. And I do now. I smell great. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. And use my promo code, not Sam, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. And use my code, not Sam, to get 10% off your purchase, hawthorne.co. <laughs> What's it like in 2020 to be in a ring with Brock Lesnar? What 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 is that what is that what does that feel like to be to be in a ring with current day Brock Lesnar? That was pretty cool, man. I I, I had only met Brock once or twice before in passing. Mm-hmm. So actually be able to share a ring with him and then you know have have a little bit of physical interaction as brief as it may have been on that stage for that moment, it was cool. And, you know, if you think about it, if, if you understand how things work, all right, you know, the whole idea was, okay, Brock's the monster, and then here comes Drew, you know, so let's build Brock to build Drew, which is how the business works. Nobody right. gets over without help. You know, it's, it's, it's a concerted effort. So, um, you know, for me to be, on the Rumble, a surprise entry, and to be a part of that, man, that was an honor. So I, that was really cool. I would love to uh, to actually get a chance to to roll around with Brock sometime. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you'd have your work cut out for you, though. Oh, man, I, I, I never run from a challenge. I'm up for it. I love that. Like, what, what do you like- – go ahead. No, I said I'd like that. You know, I, yeah. I, I, in jiu-jitsu competitively i do tournaments and i i I enjoy stepping on the mat with you know high level black belts and getting my ass handed to me because then you learn you know so you know the dealing with a a physical phenom like brock lesnar that would be pretty cool to find out just (laughs) just what my limitations are yeah yeah that makes sense um what do you have you thought at all 
you know, hypothetically in the future, should you end up in some kind of a backstage role in WWE? Have you thought about what ways, especially after the weekend and seeing how things work and who's there now and what the overall kind of vibe and attitude and mentality is, have you thought about how you would want to contribute to that culture? Um, I mean, WWE usually is good about um, using people's strengths to the overall benefit of the company. So I think for sure my strength, one of my most notable strengths in the, the business of pro wrestling is my ability to cut a promo, as they say. So um, I would love to you know, be able to work with some young guys on uh, increasing their, their promo abilities, working on those, those little things, comfort. Um, I really, you know, the first time I was in WWE, you know, Vince actually told me to be more hands-on and producing my segments and my vignettes to get more involved. Wow. Um, when I was at TNA, I produced lots of say. It was really cool that they would just say, okay, here, we need you to get this done. Uh, MVP, can you handle this? Like, yeah, I got it, you know. So I got, you know, a lot of experience uh, as an unofficial working agent there. And then, so uh, that would be something that would be pretty cool, you know, maybe producing some segments or, you know, just being a, a standard agent, working with the young guys on their matches and, and, and ideas, and, you know, psychology and things of that sort. I think that's where initially I would probably best be used. Did you... Did you have that Killmonger outfit ready to go? Or is that something that you find out like, oh, they are going to use me in the Rumble. Let me get something special made. No, dude, I've had that sitting in the closet for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I've been waiting like, well, I I need a big big show, a big stage to debut this on. And, you know, I've I've had some pretty decent shows here and there, but I was like, ah, you know, I just need that one really good stage and what better stage than the Royal. So yes, it was sitting. Shout out to main event gear. So you just had that idea in your head. Like you go, you watch Black Panther, obviously you love it. And you go, you know, that would make some pretty cool gear. And you just go out, you just reach out to, to the gear company and go, can you make this for me? And without an idea of where you're going to use it, just because at some point that's going to be cool to have. I, or as Iron Sheik would say, exactly, Bubba. <laughs> That's awesome. And I thought, yeah, you know, my MVP long sleeve gear, how awesome would it be? And I just, yeah, the, here's a picture. Make this in the MVP gear. And uh, when man was able to knock it out, again, main event gear. For you young guys that are listening to this that want gear made, they are the only people that have made my gear for the last decade. And wow. I can't uh, say enough good about the quality of their work. And the timeliness of their work, they're not cheap, but (laughs) invest in yourself. Yeah, I mean, when you can independently go out and get somebody to make you something that's going to look really cool on a giant pay-per-view that's your first time back in 10 years, I would say it's probably worth the cost, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or if you're just, you know, a young indie guy and you're trying to make a name for yourself, you know, you're, you're making the towels and you're doing the shows invest in your gear yeah i've always said you know look like a pro you know when your gear is thread (coughs) excuse me when your gear is threadbare and and you've got tape on your boots like 
come on, man, you know, invest in yourself. If you want somebody else to invest in you, then you got to invest in yourself. And you want to represent yourself well. Always, you know, spend money on your boots and your gear. You know, look like a professional. Yeah, it's always amazing when people don't. I mean, you would think, you know, growing up, when you watch wrestling as a fan, you always remember people's gear. You always remember the way people look. You always remember that presentation. And sometimes it really shocks me that that investment isn't made. Or you see the guys who have, like, you know their boots taped up or whatever it is, especially because on the independence, I feel like you have this ability, even if people don't know who you are, if you come out looking like you're a superstar or looking like you're somebody or looking like you've invested heavily in what you're wearing, people generally will assume that you're a big deal and they just don't know about you. And I think that that's, that's probably your best case scenario, right? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Right. And, you know, like you said, I, I remember years ago when I was on the indie scene, just coming up, uh, I, I was on a show where I was tagging with uh, Buff Bagwell, who, you know, WCW had just ended. And, you know, I'm young and I got on some really fresh color coordinated gear. And back then I used to come with these pull away pants and jacket on top of my gear and you know, I'm, I'm tagging with Buff Bagwell and, you know, some people were saying, I don't remember you from WCW. Hey, did I see you on WCW? I don't know. <laughs> All these people thought that I was on WCW, but they just didn't know me or maybe you got signed towards the end. No, I've never been to WCW. But, you know, one of my uh, friends and mentors, Dave Johnson, he was there. He passed away recently. You know, he said, dude, through the eyes of a child, <laughs> you look just like him. He doesn't know the difference, you know, and uh, as you can see, a lot of adults didn't know. So I looked like a professional. I looked like a pro. And I firmly believe that if you want to be perceived as, as you said, a big deal, then present yourself as such. Right. Absolutely. And that, honestly, that goes for all walks of life. That's not even just a wrestling thing. That's just a life thing. You know, go out of the house looking like you're somebody. The people who walk down the street or do a job interview or wherever you're going. You know, yeah, make it till you make it. That's yeah. right. That's exactly right. Well, MVP, I appreciate you uh, giving so graciously of your time. Uh, I want to say congratulations on this incredible Sunday into Monday that you had. And congratulations on not only refreshing everybody's memory on how impactful your run was with WWE, but for looking like a superhero now in front of your kid. I mean, I have to imagine that if, your match at reality of wrestling was enough for you to get put over almost all of the Avengers. You holding your own against Rey Mysterio and entering the Royal Rumble over the course of two nights. If anything is going to allow you to get put over the Hulk, I feel like this is the one, right? You would like to think. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I haven't asked him yet. I, right now I can't. I can't get over Rey Mysterio, so that's... <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's true. Do you think... I, I even told Ray, I said, this sucks, because as long as I've been trying to get him to, to book me over you, now this is just going to confirm <laughs> his disposition to booking you over me. So, no, <laughs> such as that. But, um, yeah, man, thanks a lot, Sam. It, it's a pleasure. Uh, man, it's kind of funny. Uh, as I began this journey with WWE so many years ago, you were... Uh, an awkward intern. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. For those, <laughs> for those that for those that don't know, the first time I met uh, MVP, uh, you came in. You did your entire interview. It was on Opie and Anthony. You did your entire interview standing, and it was like forty five minutes long, and you held the entire room. But most importantly, me as like an intern or whatever I was at that point, I was forced to ask you embarrassing questions. I had to look at you in the eye and ask you the question, which do you prefer, WWE or jail? And you t- and that's that somehow, to this day, we're still speaking. I don't know. That's on you. That's not on me. But I guess that means you're a good guy. Oh, man. I, I remember that, too. And I remember looking around like, is this dude serious? You guys sound cool here. But it was and as you said, all these years later, here we are. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and it's been really cool. And I'm so happy to see your success. And, and you know, you and uh, Sam, uh, I mean, you and uh, uh, fucking Norton. Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate, uh, once again, I appreciate you giving me your time. Congratulations on everything, man. Hey, on Twitter, at the305MVP. Instagram, yep. at the305MVP. And my own podcast, the VIP Lounge, which I uh, stopped doing some time ago, will be returning very soon. Love it. So go to the305mvp.com for more information. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. And it was awesome as always, Sam. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, man. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time here on Not Sam Wrestling. Look, we're going to keep it brief uh, this week because... You know, we had a lot to talk about with MVP. If you want more insight, if you want to go uh, full-on wrestling insight and, and and response to what's going on with the current product, then hit us up uh, Thursday, not Sam. Thursday is the place to be, and that show is now exclusively at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Less than a dollar a week, you can get access to it. So if you like State of Wrestling, we do an hour plus most weeks every single Thursday available on Patreon. Uh, I want to say, and we talked about Brock Lesnar a little bit with MVP. There was a debate this week because uh, let me pull up the tweet for you. So I actually have it because I I would like it uh, to be verbatim. You know, I want it to be on on the level, as it were. And uh, it should be. uh, I know that I, I tweeted something about it. Here it is. John Cena says to Sports Illustrated, this was a quote this week from John Cena that we should talk about. John Cena says, I can say with sincerity, Brock Lesnar is the best in-ring performer I've seen. His performance at the Rumble was a clinic, the best when dominant, the best in jeopardy. He makes people better and he still has mystique. This quote, Drew uh, a lot of controversy, drew a lot of ire, I guess the word would be. Ire is what it drew. Um, And I sent a tweet out kind of uh, agreeing with it. You know, I don't know if I'm in a position to say he's the best, but I tweeted out something to the effect of, if you don't think that Brock Lesnar is good, and it should have said great, by the way, you don't have to say that he's the greatest wrestler on the planet. But if you don't think Brock Lesnar is one of the best wrestlers on the planet right now, you don't watch wrestling. That's my opinion. 
And when I say you don't watch wrestling, I mean, I don't know what the hell you're watching. I swear. Like, I see somebody on YouTube. I don't know. I get all my opinions confused because I see people on Twitter. I see people on YouTube. But I try to, I try to draw various voices of various fans from all these sources. And I saw somebody say, Brock Lesnar doesn't sell for anybody. Brock Lesnar sells better than anybody. What are you watching? Drew McIntyre kicked that man over the top rope and he was on the floor for two minutes. Every time somebody hits Brock Lesnar, every time Brock Lesnar takes damage, he looks surprised. He looks shocked. He looks angry. He, it feels real. Every time he takes damage, it feels real. You know what that is? Selling. Just because he doesn't do like an over-exaggerated like wrestling thing, he actually looks like a real person when he's doing it, and he actually makes you believe it. It doesn't make him bad. It makes him good. I can't believe some of this criticism. Let's go down some of the criticism that Brock Lesnar gets because, I mean, it's driving me, it's driving me uh, batty, I guess would be the word. There's some people who say Brock Lesnar is lazy. And there's a couple reasons that people incorrectly, by the way, say that Brock Lesnar is lazy. Number one, they say he's lazy because of his schedule. No, he's not. That does it. His schedule is not a lazy person's schedule. His schedule is a valuable person's schedule. The value of having Brock Lesnar have a match on a show is so high that financially it wouldn't make sense to have him on every show. Similarly, it wouldn't make sense to have him on every show because it would actually decrease the value because supply Brock Lesnar matches would go up, so demand would go down. Now, supply Brock Lesnar matches is going down, so demand is going up. And people sit there and they go, you know, maybe a couple years ago, but not anymore. Yes, anymore. Brock Lesnar doesn't walk into a building where his match isn't the biggest match on the show. Not every Brock Lesnar match has been a five-star classic. Brock Lesnar's had a couple duds. But he's had far fewer duds than he has impactful moments, important matches, matches that feel like this is a huge event. When Brock is on a show, far more often than not, the whole show feels bigger, and the match is not only the biggest match on that card, but it's the biggest match that WWE has had in some time. Far more often than not. Brock Lesnar has the ability to make you believe that he could kill anybody while at the same time making you believe that somebody has harmed him. Brock Lesnar, and then people go like, you know, I heard some people say, so, 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 okay, so I'm getting off track. The schedule part is insane. If you could go to your company and say, I'm so good at this job for my salary, I only want to work one day a week. And your company said, okay, that sounds good. That wouldn't make you lazy. That would make you smart and that would make you valuable. If your company said to you, we need this done by Tuesday, and instead of getting it done, you sat there with your hand down your pants watching Breaking Bad reruns, 
That would make you lazy. And you would probably get fired. Only working a few shows because that's what the company agreed to with you makes you smart and makes you valuable. It doesn't make you lazy. And then people go, well, fine, but he's lazy in the ring. He's not lazy in the ring. I don't even know what that is based on. Some of his matches are quick, but that's because that's how you tell the story of Brock Lesnar. A lot of his matches are repetitive with the moves, but that's the story that's being told. The whole suplex city thing. I mean, Brock Lesnar is the ultimate heel because he cheeses in real life. What was more annoying in a video game than when your buddy would cheese you? He'd just keep doing the same move over and over again. Brock Lesnar is that character come to life with that suplex. And by the way, for a period of time when they were still on sale regularly, Suplex City shirts sold in every single city in the United States of America because it was such a thing. But I mean, look at the matches that he's had. Even a year ago, Finn Balor got offense in on him that people believed. The match with Daniel Bryan was incredible. The match with Samoa Joe was incredible. You know, people want to say that he's unprofessional. That's why they don't like him, because he's unprofessional in the ring. Based on what? Because he busted Randy Orton open? Randy Orton never said he was unprofessional after that. How do you know that both parties weren't aware that that was going to happen? Because what, the Dean Ambrose match wasn't any good? Maybe that match just wasn't any good. Maybe they were not the right pair. We had MVP on the show this week, and he was talking about sometimes pairings being not the right pairings. Maybe that match was just not the right pairing. Because as far as I can see, he's let all these people get enough offense in that you believe that they can beat him in the match, and then he beats them anyway. And that's why you boo him. Because you're so frustrated. But the fact that for a moment you thought he might get beat is what makes him good. And don't say, I knew he wasn't. I never thought that he was going to get beat. Because you did, man. You definitely did. We all have those moments in Brock Lesnar matches where you're like, oh my God, he's going to tame the beast. Then people are sitting there talking about the Royal Rumble this year. Going like, well, I didn't want to see him squash the entire roster. For what? Brock Lesnar is never on TV. So you're going to let him squash the entire roster just to make him look stronger? Hey, stupid. The entire roster that got squashed under Brock Lesnar got squashed under Brock Lesnar to make Drew McIntyre look better, not to make Brock Lesnar look better. The reason that Drew McIntyre, and people go, well, Drew McIntyre was already the odds-on favorite. Drew McIntyre didn't need all that. Did you hear the reaction that Drew McIntyre got? when he kicked Brock Lesnar over the top rope. That reaction doesn't happen if Drew McIntyre does it at number three. That reaction happened because Brock Lesnar had thrown out some of our heroes. Brock Lesnar had thrown out some of the Giants. Brock Lesnar had thrown out some of our returning favorites. I'm talking about Eric Rowan. I'm talking about MVP. I'm talking about Kofi. I'm talking about Ray. I'm talking about Big E Langston. We were frustrated by that point. And we're sitting there going... Drew McIntyre, I think he's going to win. But he might not. I mean, for God's sakes, coming in, 
People thought Cain Velasquez was going to win the Royal Rumble. He wasn't even in the city. Tell me. Oh, I knew Drew McIntyre was going to win. Shut up. You didn't. Because it was just as likely that Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns would have won that. If we're going for predictable. If anything, Roman Reigns would have been the more predictable way to go than Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was the way we hoped it went. Not the way we thought it would go. And Brock Lesnar takes the kick over the top rope after getting comeuppance from Ricochet for kicking him in the dick on Raw and then Drew McIntyre getting that Claymore in. And all of a sudden, we believe that Drew McIntyre can beat Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar went down via Claymore and was down on the ground for about two solid minutes. And then was furious when he got up, and we believed he was furious. We believe everything Brock Lesnar is selling, we believe it, to the point that people think he's dangerous or unprofessional, to the point where people think he doesn't know any other moves. He's an NCAA uh, decorated athlete. If he hadn't gone to WWE, he would have been in the Olympics. He's a UFC champion. This didn't happen by mistake. You don't think Brock Lesnar knows more moves than suplexes? Those are just the only ones he uses. You know why? Because you boo him, stupid, when he uses them. Ah, <laughs> oh, I just, for the life of me, can't imagine how people can think Brock Lesnar is not great and how people don't see the value in Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is built up to the point that he is built up so that when he finally is beat, it really means something. And it not meaning as much for Seth Rollins as it should have probably has more to do with where Seth Rollins is at the time than it does Brock Lesnar. But if Drew McIntyre beats Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, oh my God. You're going to hear it across the state of Florida. If not further, the reaction is going to be so loud in Tampa. And you know why that is? Because of the last five years of Brock Lesnar. That's why. You know, it's amazing. Look, if you want more analysis, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling is the place to be. We thank MVP for being a part of the show this week. And we will see you. Next week, Monday, right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, 